see a verse of Scripture, and it's found over in the book of Thessalonians, and it's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it's verse 21. It says this in the New King James Version. It says, Test all things and hold fast what is good. In the New Living Translation, here's what it says. It says, Test everything that is said. So what you're hearing on news, what you're hearing on everything else, you need to take it to this book right here and just see simply whether or not it's true. That's what we've got to do. So I want you to turn with me, if you will, over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 3. And I want you to look at this because it says this. I'm going to talk to you today about sexual purity. Now, I'm going to tell you why I really believe with all my heart it's so important. But look what it says. It says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as fitting for saints. Let no, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as fitting for saints. If you go, go also, if you will, over to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27. He says, You have heard that it is said of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be Especially young boys, they are being bombarded with 
thing that, that are trying to lead them in a direction and to make a decision that could change their life forever. And I believe that with all my heart. So we're going to talk about decisions and making those decisions. What you should do. What you should do with your children and talking to them about this world that we're living in. Now here's what I want to do with this. And I read those two scriptures over there. So unless you live in another planet, you have to agree with me that the environment of our culture today is just soaked with nothing more than sensuality. You cannot buy anything from cars to food without being offered to you by being sold by sex in some way. To a great extent, sexual advertisements and sexual innuendos are all around us and it's so prevalent that we have become numbed unto its presence. There are scenes in movies that we watch with our children sitting there and are graphic that could have a profound effect upon them. I remember reading a book years ago of a young man that when he was in his teenagers and he was working for some of his relatives on a farm. And they sent him back to the truck, sent him back to the truck to get some water he was wanting to drink. So he goes back to the truck to get the water. And when he does, a Playboy magazine falls out of the truck. His whole life at that point, he says, it had such a profound effect upon me that my life was changed. And he almost lost his life because of it. Because where it took him to. Just that one little temptation that they had. And that introduction began, and the battle of, for pornography and things in his life went on. Now, we have become immune to all this. For instance, take a movie like Forrest Gump. You remember, you say, well, I've done a lot of Forrest Gump. Okay. Do you remember the scene in, in Forrest Gump, Gump where Sally Field is trying to get Forrest into a school so she had sex with the principal? Do you remember the scene with the bare breast? Do you remember the new scene with the guitar? Or when they had sex and a baby was born? Do you remember all that? Or did you count how many times that God's name was, was used against him in vain in that movie? Did you see it? And this movie is, is mild, mild compared to most of the movies out there. Most would say that movie, I didn't even realize that those scenes were in there. And therein is the problem. And that's the point I'm trying to make. We are so saturated with these things that as a result of that, we don't even realize the profound effect that's upon us and even our children. So we read over in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, God says to us, if I want to walk with you, if I really want to know Him, now I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm not talking about you coming to Jesus and being saved. I'm talking about that you need to know Him. That's what Paul says, that I might know Him and the power of His salvation, and the power of the resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering, that I really get to know Him, that I walk with Him, I can feel His presence, I know when I pray He's listening to me, I'm talking about really having an intimate relationship with God. And if I really, truly want that, then He says to us, but fornication and all uncleanness or covenant, let it not even be named among you as fitting for saints. We just can't do that. That's what He's saying. 
Now, Matthew and Jesus, he says, he tells us, see, he says, if you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her as well. I want you to see the inside of Jesus here. Because you see, there's three stages. And what are those three stages of this? He says, to look, then to lust, and then you've already committed adultery. There's a great book out there that's called Every Man's Battle. There's another book for women that's called Every Woman's Battle. And it, 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 it talks about the solution to this, and it talks about bouncing your eyes. In other words, when men... Because here's what Jesus is trying to get us to say. He said, if you look, everything that a man takes in, he takes it in through his eyes. Women do not do this. Men do this. They take it in through their eyes. And so if you look at something... As a result of that, this problem comes up that it is possibility for you to lust after it. Now understand, Jesus was tempted at all points, and yet the Bible says without sin, it is not wrong to look as long as you bounce. In other words, but to look and stay engaged on something until the point that you begin to lust, that's when it becomes wrong. So to bounce your eyes is not a sin. Bouncing your eyes is basically more than anything else. It is a mechanism to keep you from sin. And so if somebody's coming at you and, and you're looking at a woman or somebody else's wife or whatever else, what do you do? You bounce your eyes. You don't look. You look off someplace else. Hey, how are you all doing? You look off. That's what it's talking about. So Jesus says, you look, you lust, and you, it's the same as committing adultery. And so he gives us those three stages. Now, it's interesting that Job, in Job 31, verse 1, says this. He says simply, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then I should not look upon a young woman? I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? And then he goes on to say in verse 9, If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have worked at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind for another, and let others bow down. to us simply that if we want to really relationship or walk with Him in intimacy, then we've got to come to the place that we become uh, pure in many ways. The only way that can happen is through Jesus Christ. You can't come any other way. And I'm not just talking about salvation here. I'm talking about walking with Him because it's dependent on Him. There are many people that would not dare to commit the actual act of an affair or watch porn. But the reason has nothing to do with the relationship with Jesus. They're more afraid of being caught by someone or what somebody would think. think. So they secretly in the heart, they sneak to look, or they look at the latest lingerie magazine that comes to their house or comes in the mail. I told you this is not going to be one that some people are going to like. We've gone so far to change our language where that sexual sin now doesn't seem so bad. For instance, you say, you know, for instance, adultery. The sin of someone that is married, but we say we call it an affair. And now we've gone so far that in 1 Corinthians 6 9, it tells us simply there, do not you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. Now, what's a fornicator? That's somebody that's not married, but they're having sex outside of marriage. 
And the whole thing about this is, is this. It says that we call it now hooking up. What young people call it. Hooking up. And until today, teenagers call it hooking up like going to the mall or something. So the Lord is trying to tell us the ramifications if a society goes down this path. Romans 1, the Lord warns us, and then once He sees uh, sees us becoming belligerent that we refuse to heed His warning, we allow us to have our own way and to face the consequences. Now, we within the church have basically raised the sin of homosexuality to the very top. And the problem with that is, and what the, those people that are involved in homosexuality have a problem with, and, I, and I, I'm, I've got another message coming, which, you know, the Lord's just killing me, but by the same token, it's coming. But, so I'm not, you know, but the, here's the problem that home, the homosexual community have within the church, that we, we condemn those people that are in that kind of relationship, and yet we move in with them. goes on to say in Romans 1.24, he says, therefore God also gave them up. And three times it's mentioned in Romans that God gave them up. He gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. That's what he says. Then in one twenty six he says, for the reason God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use that is against nature. In one twenty seven says, likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving into themselves the penalty of the error which would seem. Now what is the result of all this? The result of this is one twenty eight. And what does 128 say? As even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. And what is the is a debased mind? A debased mind is a person who cannot tell right from wrong. Why do you think we're living in a world today that we're calling those things that you know and I know that our parents taught us and we knew that was just basically everything that you should not do those things? We call those things, it's okay to do it. And those things that we know that were good, we're calling those things sin. Why are we doing that? Because of the debate. I read an article where a woman pastor, and her name was Nada Bolton. Her name's right out there. In 2019, at the Makers Conference in Gender Equality, gave a speech, and here's her speech. She spoke at the 219 Makers Conference, an annual conference on gender equality. And before her speech, she brought out a small sculpture of a woman's sexual organ. She had welded some donated, melted-down purity rings and presented to the feminist icon, Gloria Steinem. And those who donated the rings received a certificate of impurity stating that the donor will vow to lead a shameless, open, and free life with love for themselves and their body, knowing that they are already holy as well as shameless impurity rings. But we've gone so far that several states now consider laws that would legalize or relax the laws of sexual 
He will let you know. But if you're involved in all this other stuff, you're not going to hear His voice. Now, not only that, why do we got a drug problem? I believe for one reason. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 5 eight. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a royal lion seeking may know. A person, a person that's not sober is not going to know what's going on. First Thessalonians, uh, excuse me, First Peter four seven. Be serious, he says, and be watchful. It, 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 but the end of all things is the hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. One thirteen. Therefore, gird up your loins and renew your mind. Be sober. He keeps saying, be sober. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.18. You know, be not drunk with wine, where it's excess, but be filled by, by the Holy Spirit. You ever try to draw to a drunk man? You might as well forget it. I see some of you back there that are policemen. I guarantee you, you try to talk to some drunk. It doesn't do any good. Why? They're so filled with the alcohol and the booze inside of them that they don't know what's going on. That's what I'm saying. These things, the drugs, the, 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 simply the, 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 all the things, the sensuality will keep our minds from the place that we can hear what God's trying to say to us. One of the things we can hear is God simply saying to you in the midst of all your troubles and trials, I love you. A man or woman who's allowing their sensual desires to lead them will not be in control. And these last days, God is sending up a message through His Word and the Holy Spirit to be ready, and you'll miss what He's saying. So why does the Lord not want us to be absorbed by sensual desires? After all, He, after all, he invented sex, did He not? You know, God invented sex. You know, we're the ones who made it ugly. The Bible tells us not to become a person that their sexual desires drive them. Look what it says in, in, in Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, unclean flesh. He said this is the works of the flesh. Let's go on. Go to Romans 8, verse 6 and 8. He says this, For the carnal mind, that's, that, that's what the flesh is, the carnal mind is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Listen to this. Because the carnal mind is, is an enmity, it's, it's absolutely, it's totally against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You want to please God? Then you've got to, you got to get out of the flesh. You've got to start walking by the Spirit of the living God. And Romans 13, 13 says this, Let us walk properly as in the day, not reviling, not in drunkenness, not looseness, not lust, not in strife and envy. we got to walk in such a way that we can hear His voice. Another reason is the sad lives of those who've been controlled by the lust of the flesh. There's a great picture over in the book of Proverbs, chapter 7. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to... And I'm going to read this. And as I read this, I want you to watch that. I want, I want you to think about your little girl. I want you to think about your little boy. Now, listen to what it says. They say, you know, he's talking about wisdom. He said that they may keep you from the moral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. For by the window of my house, I looked in my lattice. And I saw among the simple I perceived among the youth a young man devoid of understanding, 
passing along the street near her corner, and he took the path to her house. In the twilight of the evening, in the black and the dark night, and there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious, her feet would not stay at home. And at times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking in every corner. So she caught him and kissed him and she was faithful. She said to him, I will keep all these things that save you. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry and colored coverings and Egyptian dresses. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and clove aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love and anointing. Let us delight ourselves in the Lord. For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him, and he will come home and he will pay us back. With her enticing speech, she causes him to yield with her enticing lips and seduces him. And immediately he went out to dance with the hot dancer of Sodom, with the food of the threats of the shocker.
upset with many couples who are having difficulties in their marriage. And I've listened to wives and problems and this kind of thing. And so many times, it finally comes down to around the idea of Jesus. You know, the two most difficult things in a marriage that couples need to talk about, they refuse to talk about. You know what it is? One is money. with your wife or your husband, then why in the world would you not want to communicate to that person that you love? To talk about what you want out of the relationship. The Lord has already given to married couples a solution to overcome the temptation. So where is that at? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Here's what it says. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her, likewise also the wife to her husband. Verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, the husband but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. You know? Do not listen to this. Because this is, this is foolproof to keep in a marriage, keep it from having an affair. What does it say? Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer and come together again so that, why? Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So as you do that, then and, and what do you think? Man, I, I'm almost full. She comes out again. I'm bam, hit you again with another big load of chicken and dumplings, you know. And you say, man, I don't know what I eat out of you. She says, oh no, I can't eat anymore. Then she comes out with a big, a, a big strawberry pie. It's got whipped cream piled over it. Yeah, and so you're eating that. And you say, man, I am so full. I don't know what. And, and so she walks out of the room. And, and I, I look over to you and I say to you. Can't you do that? I'm full. Get the idea? I'm full. Now the word that we need to teach our children is a word that's called fidelity. What does that mean? Fidelity means faithfulness to a person by continuing to be loyal. That should be the goal of marriage. We also need to teach them that your sexuality is a sacred thing. That your sexuality is a sacred thing. To be a virgin, listen to this, and I want every kid in here to listen to me, to be a virgin, whether you're a girl or a boy, is a glorious thing. Amen? And it should be a special thing that you just don't throw away. But parents need to talk to their children. 
to see the glorious gift that God has given to them. Then it's when you fall in love and that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with, they may ask you the question, if you've been with anybody else, the question is, how do you really answer that? This is a positive, not, not, a, not a negative or, you know. If you make the discussion of sex something that is embarrassing and you let your children believe that it's something that we don't talk about, then they're going to go and get their information from little Herbie in the boys' restroom who's been looking at his father's playboy. And he don't know the diddly squat. Or would anyone leave a loaded 38 pistol laying on their kitchen counter? You might as well do that if you, if you, if you don't monitor your children's time on the computer. I mean, you know what they're watching. You say, well, I, I trust my son and my daughter. Yeah, that's right. But let me tell you something. I don't trust those people that are out there on the Internet and what they are doing. That's what I'm saying. I never will forget we, when we had the gifted program up here at, at Shady Brook, and our teachers wanted to do something on technology. And that was when folks started passing. Uh, and and they're going to have some kids you know, read through a paper and write a paper on it. This one kid wanted to do something on spacecraft and exploration in space. So, if if, if you were going to do a, a paper on space travel or exploration, well, I probably where would you go to? I probably go to some place like oh, NASA, right? Anybody still there? You got eight pointers out there. There are people out there that are trolling, trolling for your child. And the worst thing in the world is there are those out there that will even try to get them to come meet them someplace. We can bury our heads in the sand, but there's a great problem in America today, which is the greatest producers of pornography in the world. We ought to admit it. But the problem has spilled over into the church with pornography affecting both men and women. Pornography is not real, and it takes away intimacy and relationships until nothing in life is real, and they can't have a personal relationship with their mate. It will affect your marriage. Pornography is a secret sin. yourself up so many times because you said, I'm never going to do this again, and all of a sudden here it comes. May I tell you there's forgiveness in Jesus? No matter how far you've gone. This is why, we, this is why the book of Romans 5.20 says, In sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And may I also tell you there's deliverance. There's a great book out there, and I've read it twice. Book is called Every Man's Battle. This man's wife also wrote another book that was entitled Every Woman's Battle. And I wish you'd read it because it 
tells the difference of why men are the way they are and why women are the way they are. It also tells us this. It tells us that what God is looking for, you know, and, and so all this stuff is happening, you know, but there, and, and maybe, maybe your first experience with sex and you lost your virginity or maybe someone took it from you. I'm not just talking to those. Maybe just when you were a child, somebody took it from you. I want to tell you something. The Lord is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is a new beginning if you come to Jesus. He'll not only forgive you and restore you and cleanse you all of all unrighteousness, but He will make you totally, absolutely clean and pure. The Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ can make you pure again. The word justification simply means just as if you never sinned. Now let me say this to those who are single, dating. I want you to really think about it before you go into that line. The parents before that little girl, little boy grows up, they'll give some of the children up to him. They'll cross over and make that decision. You want that decision to be one in which they will look back with great joy, not with guilt and shame. I just want it to be the greatest moment of their life, of your life, and your children's life. So, parents, will you help them to make the right decision? You got to talk about this stuff. Because there's other people out there throwing stuff at them. Kids, other kids that are not in the type of home maybe you got are coming and bringing things to school. It may be awkward at first, but they will eventually appreciate it someday. For who has stepped, for you who have stepped over that line and made the wrong decision, there's forgiveness. And I believe with everything in my heart that where the Bible says that we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Now listen to the last part of this. And to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In other words, what is it? There is purity to be restored. No matter how far you may have gone, you can start over. Now, did you notice that the message that I preached today was for singles, but it's also for married couples too? Because I want to tell you something, there's this lie out there that married couples don't struggle with this sin. Because the world has said, because you're married, you can have sex anytime you want to. That's not true. Not true. Not true. Even those people who are married still struggle with this sin. You see, if you're struggling with this sin, then you are devoid of intimacy. And the Lord wants to provide intimacy. That's what we're, we're created for. We're created for intimacy. Jesus wants to declare you healed and to give you the ability to start over and to be pure woman that was caught in adultery, not one of those guys that condescending to her and they're guilty, I know. But the truth of the matter is, she was guilty of adultery. But what did Jesus do? He finally went, he, he, he crouched down because he, you know, these, these condescending women, she's probably hanging, she's right 
some people want to know, well, what was he writing? Well, let me tell you what he was writing. He was, some people say, well, he's writing Motel 6, put a date on it. And when those guys looked down and saw that date, he knew he was talking to them. And they said, I, I just remember I had something else. Oh, I had something else. I got to get out of here. And they dropped the rock and they left. But he's still there in the woman's seat.
to what it says, it says this, it says this. It, it says that, that, you know, that you come to Him in this way. If you're honest, you have been trusting in your own strength and not His. This fourth thing, accept His grace. Daily, Romans 5, 9 through 11. I come to you for one reason, because I don't want you to live in it. 
Ghost. He says, forgetting those things which are behind.